All right, what's up, y'all, and welcome to Through the Veil, episode number five. So this episode is going to be focused around having good money habits and how to spend more effectively and how to manage your spending. Um, I had had a couple people request an episode based around spending habits, and it's certainly something I've struggled with myself. So we'll go over that in this episode. Uh, if you end up enjoying this episode or if you get some useful tips out of it, please consider uh, dropping a like, dropping a comment. Uh, if you're on, listening to this on iTunes, just the audio version, please consider just you know going ahead and sharing this out with a friend who you think could use it or even dropping a five-star rating and leaving a review. It's always very appreciated. So without any further ado, let's dig right in. So the first question that I had asked to me, and I have them all on my computer here, uh, was how to manage stress spending. So this is something I've definitely struggled with a ton in the past personally. I find that when I'm being triggered by certain things in my life, and this is going to be kind of a common theme for this whole, uh, whole episode, but when I have certain triggers coming up from childhood or surrounding different traumas I've had in my life, I'm way, way more likely to actually just buy something stupid or spend a bunch of money when I shouldn't be spending money. So I think the critical first step, I believe there are three steps here. The first step is awareness. So you need to become aware of what the problem is. The way to do that is to write it down. And that may sound dramatically simple, but step two is write it down. So you just bought the coat that you know you should not have bought. Write down, bought this coat. It was February 23rd. 5 o'clock p.m. and try to write down in some detail kind of how if you can remember how you were feeling and just surrounding circumstances around that. Uh, I know for me one thing that was very common was if I had a difficult conversation to have with someone or a negative conversation that would be a trigger for me. Um, when I dug deeper into that what I found out is that because I wanted to be liked so badly I if I had to have a, like a difficult conversation, I'd be worried that someone wouldn't like me. And because I was worried about that, then that would trigger a habit loop to just go, well, what's a quick hit of dopamine I can get? Oh, I can buy a new piece of clothing and that'll make me feel a little bit better. Um, so that's how it worked for me. So then the third step is after you've done the first two steps, which is first, become aware of the problem. Second, write it down directly after it happens. The third step and probably the most important step is to figure out how to break the habit loop. So if you think about it, you have started to prime yourself in a way where it's sort of negative, uh, negative trigger happens. You respond by buying something and then you get a feeling from buying something, probably a positive feeling of excitement or enjoyment. Um, and this can be especially potent if it's for you like it was for me, which was a lot of times what I'd spend money on would be alcohol. So then it's a double whammy of I'm spending money and I'm getting drunk. So that can definitely get you. The third step, figuring out how to break the habit loop. So when you're trying to break a habit loop, what you need to do is you need to replace the reward with a different reward that is more healthy for you. And it can't just be a bullshit reward. The reward can't be like, oh, anytime I want to go buy something, I will go on a run because then you won't fucking do it. Um, however, you can scale it into a better reward. So if right now, every time you're sad, 
you go out and you buy a new Gucci fucking fur coat or something ridiculous and spend a ton of money, perhaps consider that you feel sad and then you actually go and you have a nice dinner with a friend and maybe you spend less money that way. Or if you are spending way too much money on, you know, shitty alcohol, perhaps consider that instead of going and spending a ton of money on alcohol, you go out and you get one drink and we can talk in a second about some ways to actually manage that so you don't trick yourself into think thinking that you're going to do that and then you fuck it up. Um, but yeah, that's my advice for that. Managing stress spending, you have to identify what is the stressor at the beginning. What is your trigger? And then you have to write it down and write all as much detail as you can surrounding why you were feeling that way, what was going on internally at that time. Because those details are going to start, you know, after you have a couple of these instances written down, you'll start to see a pattern of, you know, every time I'm sad. And why am I sad? Well, I'm sad because someone said something that was negative about me. Okay, now you know what the trigger is. You don't even necessarily have to dig into where that came from as a kid, where you're vulnerable to that. Um, however, that is sort of the way to heal what's underneath it. But you can still hack the habit by knowing, okay, that's my trigger. So next time that happens, becoming aware of it, now I can fill in the reward to make myself feel better with something better. Um, so that's how to manage stress spending. How to recognize your spending habits. So the next question, how to recognize your spending habits. So this one actually goes right along with a different question someone asked, which was which app to use for budgeting. So I recommend mint.com. Very simple answer, very straightforward answer. But that app and website are fucking fantastic. It's free, which is huge. And once you link it up to your bank account, as long as you are spending your money on your debit card or your credit card, it will track all your purchases and it will put them into categories for you. And it'll give you nice breakdowns on it. So that is the easiest way to do it. It takes a little bit of time to set up on the front end, probably 15 to 30 minutes, um, depending on how tech savvy you are. But that, once you have it set up, it runs itself. And then you can look, you know, once a month, twice a month, if you're really going above and beyond once a week. And you can go, okay, last month, 30% of my expenses were eating fast food. That sounds too high. I need to drive that number down. And then you actually have metrics to reflect on month after month where you can go, okay, last month my fast food was 30%. This month it was 25%. I am trending in the right direction. I should feel good about the progress I'm making. So mint.com, if you don't already use it, start using it. They also have an app for any phone that you may have. So I recommend getting the app. And then you can kind of see your spending habits at a glance and you can see some nice graphs and some different pie charts that they have that'll break down your spending. And that'll make it a little bit more clear to you what you're actually spending on. Um, next question after that. So financial planning advice. So I think one thing that is not talked about enough, and we'll get to the actual tactical advice in a second, but I think one thing that is not talked about enough when it comes to financial planning is your mindset around money. So what that means to me is for a long time, I had a fucked up mindset around money. I thought I didn't deserve to make money, so I wasn't earning as much money as I could be, and I thought that I wasn't capable of saving any money. So 
even if you have the best tactics in the world, if you have those two beliefs that I had for a very long time, you're going to find yourself always being broke. And it doesn't matter how much money you make. I, I personally know people who all of a sudden make $20,000 more a year and are still broke. Even though that 20 extra thousand dollars a year, like they got a huge bump in pay, they scale up their spending and all of a sudden they're still broke because they have the internal money mindset that does not allow them to save money. So you have to attack the mindset first before any of this tactical advice will work. Um, the way to actually address the mindset is to start to look at the different behaviors you are exhibiting around your money. So, for example, if you can never save a dollar, you probably have the belief that you can't save a dollar. And it doesn't matter how little money you're making, um, you know, if you're working two jobs, whatever it might be, there is an ability to save. If it was 50 cents a week, you could save some money. So if you have absolutely zero in savings, that is a problem that can be identified and then can be reflected on. Um, the thing to reflect on is why, why do you believe what you believe about money? Is it something that your parents instilled in you? Are you not deserving of success? Do you have fear that if you save money, you'll somehow be a bad person? There's all these different money mindset beliefs that people have. I've heard quite a few that are really, they can be very different. So you have to kind of identify what they are for you. I know for me, to speak personally about my experience, uh, it was just that I can't save money for shit. And the way that I broke out of that was by just setting up, and this actually answers another question down the way here, which is what's the best way to build a savings? So I set up a savings account. The one I have specifically is called Marcus by Goldman Sachs, but that's not as important. You can find a few different ones of these uh, online savings account. And the important thing for me was that I set up my money to go into my savings automatically. And the account itself, it takes two to three business days for you to access the money in it. So what this meant was for me, my biggest issues were I was impulsive with my spending. I was allowing my triggers to cause me to spend. And if I had money in a savings account, I'd be able to access it instantly. So having this type of account allowed me to then put a delay on it. So if I wanted to spend money, I'd have to wait two to three days from the moment I had the urge to spend extra money to actually spend that money. So that helped me increase a lag time, uh, which is an important thing for any habit you're trying to break. If you can slow down the process to where you actually think through what you're doing, uh, rather than let the habit loop run itself through, that's going to help you a lot. Uh, so then I would I set up the savings account. And what I noticed right away was I was saving more money because it was automatically coming out of my paycheck. Uh, and that that allowed me to not have to think about it. And I automatic automating your finances is one of the best things you can do for yourself. Just make it so that this money automatically goes into that savings account and then don't look at it and don't touch it and have a number in mind, whatever that number is for you of what you want to hit. Typically the recommended advice is to try to build up at least six months worth of living expenses, just bare bones living expenses. So just rent, food, gas, car insurance, maybe cell phone bill, and that's it. Um, but bare bones living expenses, try to build up six months worth of that. And then once you have that, then you can start saving and investing in some different ways. And we'll get into that in a second. Um, and once I saw that account of mine crest over $1,000, which may not seem like a lot for some people, and for some people that may seem like a ton, 
But I saw that go over $1,000. And then what happened was my mindset started to shift. And I started to go, oh, okay, well, I saved $1,000. What would it look like if I saved $2,000? What would it look like if I saved $3,000? And each step of the way, I had my mindset, my old mindset started to fall away. I started to build this new mindset that I was capable of saving. Um, similar thing happened for my mindset around my earning power. So a long time ago, I used to just kind of have this mindset like, well, I don't have any skills. I'm not worth any money. Um, so I'd never ask for a raise. I'd never push to make more money. Uh, and more recently, within the last two years, what I came to is just I have skills. I've built them up over a long time. And this could be specific to every person. But if you make yourself the type of person who is the best performer at whatever it is you are doing, doesn't matter if you're if you're a waiter then you could make more in tips. If you are a engineer, you could be the best engineer at your company. If you are a janitor, you could be the person that does the work of 1.5 people and that is your leverage. Um, and once I started to shift that mindset for myself, I actually negotiated a raise and we'll do we'll do a whole different episode on negotiating raises because that's a, a long and interesting topic in and of, in of itself. But I actually negotiated a $17,000 raise at my job after only being there for about seven and a half months. So something big had to shift internally for me to actually make that happen. And the thing that shifted was I believed I was worth a lot. My time's precious. I'm only here for a certain amount of time on this planet. And you, if you're listening to this, are too. So that's a key way to flip that money mindset is you are worth a lot of money and building the skill set to be commensurate with that is important. Um, yeah, and then just in terms of building a savings, I think the things that I found effective are having goals uh, to aim at. So a good first one is that six month, you know, emergency fund. Uh, if you have a vacation that you really want to take, having a goal that by whatever date it is, you have a certain amount saved up for that vacation. Um, hopefully a vacation shouldn't drain all of your finances at any point. Cause then if you, if you are spending all the money you have available in your savings to go on a vacation, you couldn't afford the vacation. It's pretty strong in my opinion that if anything you do drains your bank account completely, uh, then you couldn't afford to do whatever it was that is. So that goes for eating out, that goes for going on a vacation, that goes for going to the movies. If whatever that thing is puts you at zero, you can't afford to do it, don't go do it. If whatever that thing is, you know, cut, maybe if it's a big vacation, it cuts your savings in half, that's a little more in the range of acceptable. Um, ideally, you would never spend more than like 25% of your savings at once. It's gonna be a little bit different for everyone. Um, so other financial planning advice, and we'll get into some tactics here. So and this goes along with another question that someone asked. So how much of your personal finance goes into investments and how do you decide what to invest in? So once you have hit that six month sort of emergency fund stability mark, because I think that is the first and most important thing to hit. Once you hit that six month, uh, side note, a lot of things change in your mindset. So when you have six months in the bank, all of a sudden you're not going to take the same shit from your boss anymore because you know if you got fired on the spot, you're not going to be just out of luck and on the street. 
it really changes your mindset into a mindset of abundance. And this is key, a mindset of abundance versus a mindset of scarcity. What happens to most people is they live in a perpetual mindset of scarcity. So they think that they don't have enough money and because they don't have enough money, they need this job. And so anything that gets asked to them, they'll do it and they just don't even think twice about it and they don't they don't question anything and they don't do what's best for them. They always do what's best for the company. And the way to build yourself out of that is to have this abundance mindset and having that six months of savings is just like one of the best ways to do that because then no job is critical. Anyone out there listening to this, you could find another job in six months if you had to. may not pay exactly the same. It may not be the perfect job for you. But if you had six months where you were doing nothing but looking for a job, you would find a job. You're capable of that. So having that six months of savings really changes a switch in your brain to where all of a sudden you are thinking in terms of, is this good for me? Do I agree with maybe what my boss is saying or should I push back on this item? Am I worth more money than this? And should I be looking elsewhere, even at risk of me losing my job? So that that six month savings is a key thing. I can't harp on that enough. Um, into more tactical advice. So once you've established that that savings fund, you want to focus on investing your money. And there's a few different ways that you can do this. So I'm just going to give a very brief and simple overview of this. And there's plenty of videos out there where people who are far smarter than me will go into heavy detail on this. But the basic simple overview is if your company has a 401k with a match, max that out. No questions asked. You need to max that out. And within that, you should select, this is based on your age a bit, but for most people, what I believe, if you are young, which typically the audience for a podcast will be, if you are young, you should select a index fund that has a low overhead cost to you. So let me explain what that means. An index fund is a collection of companies. Uh, typically, typically, an index fund will be the top 500 companies in like the S&P or whatever stock market. And... The index fund is a, it tracks the market itself rather than a single company. So in general, putting money into an index fund is kind of like putting money into whatever country that index fund is for, typically for the US of A. Um, and that's kind of like making a bet that, hey, if things continue to go good in America in general over the next 30 to 50 years, then my money is going to increase. Um, historically, I believe the rate of return over the last like 70 years is somewhere around 8%, 8 or 9% um, just on those index funds. So that's a ridiculous return. It may not sound like a ton, but when you actually do the math and how much that compounds into, it's a ton of money. Um, so, and my personal belief on this is just that if the index funds are not returning you money. It means America is really falling apart. And then we probably all have bigger problems to be dealing with. Uh, so at that point, then you're worried about other things anyways. So money goes into an index fund. Uh, you can do that through your 401k from your employer. They almost always have different options of funds you can put the money into. Then you should be looking at what the management fee is. So there are a ton of predatory 
sort of uh, investments, uh, investment companies out there um, that are going to charge you maybe a 2% fee to manage, air quotes, manage your money for you. Um, and you got to think about it this way. If the market returns 4% this year, and that's what you would have gotten back, but you pay a 2% fee, then you're only getting 2% all of a sudden on your money. And if the market returned only 2%, then all of a sudden your money didn't grow at all, which when you factor in inflation and taxes, means your money went down. So you want to find the one, the fund that has the, or the company rather, that has the lowest possible uh, percent that it costs for them to help you invest your money. Uh, I can recommend, personally, I use Vanguard. Uh, they have a very, very low fee for their index funds. I think it's like, I don't know, point, it's below 1%. It might be like 0.6 or something percent, uh, which is pretty good. Um, if anything is over, I would say 1.5%, I would just not even consider it. I would rule it out. Um, but yeah, index funds are your vehicle for your money, um, especially if you're looking over a longer time frame. You may take some hits. You may, over the next three years, things may go shitty, but over the course of 20 years, I generally believe that the market will continue to go up. And as it does, you will continue to make money. Uh, so how much of my personal finance goes into investments? Basically, the answer to that is as much as I can put in. I find that most people are vastly under investing and almost no one is over investing. Uh, so while I had a more traditional job, um, not before I was self-employed, I was trying to kick in between 30 and 40% of my income into investments. Uh, what that does is just, it's a huge lever for you to pull to make your money, make you more money. And you got to figure out the ways to put in those types of numbers. If you want to be able to retire early, if you want to be able to have a lot of money in the bank to start a business venture like I have, you need to have discipline and you need to build the mindset to have the discipline that, hey, I'm not going to go on that vacation this year. Sorry, can't do it because that's $5,000 that could be sitting in my investment account. And next year, that 5,000 could be 6,000. And five years from now, it could be 15,000. So you got to start to craft that mindset. Um, and it's going to be particularly for everyone. You know, right now, it could only be 1% of what you earn could go into investments. That's still great. Do what you can at the time. Focus on earning more. If you're, you know, I would say the cutoff would be if you're anywhere below probably about 18 bucks an hour on average, uh, whether you're salaried or not, then you should be focusing first on gaining the skills to earn more. And then after that point is where you should be focusing on saving more and not necessarily just earning more. Um, that's my personal belief on that. But yeah, that kind of covers that one. Uh, how do you decide what to invest in? Uh, again, the index funds uh, are the way to go. Uh, as you start to build up more money, you can start to look at different uh, different safer vehicles uh, to invest your money into. But I pretty much roll all of my money into index funds once I'm above that six-month savings mark. Um, yeah, and then some general just questions. Let's see here. General questions about how to manage spending. Um, I think the, the thing to reflect on when it comes to spending is you aren't spending your money for no reason. It's not arbitrary. 
You are spending your money because you have a framework of habits and beliefs just below the surface that you're not conscious of at all times. And those habits or beliefs are what is causing you to spend. So your job is not to stop spending magically because that's very difficult to do. You're fighting against basically your entire subconscious. Your job is to figure out what those habits and beliefs are that lay under the surface. And once you can figure those out, you can figure out how to combat them effectively rather than just trying, okay, I'm going to save more money this week. And then you don't, and then you feel like shit. And then you're like, I can't save money. And it actually reinforces the bad habit loop. Um, for me personally, when my, uh, when I started dating my current girlfriend, that, uh, was a difficult thing for me. I was really, really bad at saving money. And that version of me that was bad at saving money believed that because I'd reinforced it for a long time. I had tried to save money, but I couldn't. And it was only once I really started to dig into some deeper and seemingly unrelated things that I was starting to be able to save money. So like I started to just unearth traumas from childhood and stuff that I had been sad about for a long time and different negative beliefs I had about myself. And as I started to get rid of those, all of a sudden, my ability to save started to go up. And I believe this in all aspects of life, but if you want to be successful at the thing you want to do, and that could include saving money, that could include investing, that could include being very successful at your job, you need to make yourself into the per type of person who would be successful at those things. So you need to closely monitor what type of habits you would need to have what type of mindset you would need to have, and just generally what kind of ethos would run your life for you to be the person who is successful. And then you need to build yourself towards being that person. Because if you think you're going to magically be exactly the same as you are today and be hyper successful at whatever it is that you are interested in, that's just not how it works. There are certain habits and certain mindsets that people who are very successful all have bar none. Um, and just easy way to craft those. Working with meditation is a huge one. It's going to help you go underneath and slow down your mind and start to see some of these patterns. Uh, I've had stuff come up in meditations that I haven't thought about in years. And I think back to them like, oh, wow, I can't believe when I was 15, I got jumped and felt sad. And that affected me not wanting to try new business ventures because actually when we got jumped, side story, when we got jumped, we were trying to sell weed and I related that into being a business venture. So now I was scared of having business ventures because my mind had encoded it as take a risk, bad result. Weird. Okay, let's dig that up and let's go. That's not a helpful belief and it's also not accurate. It's by far the rare circumstance. So let's get rid of that belief. I can process it and move on. And I think we all carry around a lot of these old traumas and old things that have happened to us that we don't acknowledge or deal with. And those things are affecting especially our money mindset in such a huge way. So meditation, journaling, plant medicine, if that's your thing. Mushrooms have been very effective for me. MDMA-assisted psychotherapy has been very effective for me, and ayahuasca has been very effective for me. Those are bigger levers to pull. Uh, they're going to do more with less time. But if you're not comfortable with those things, I don't 
recommend to everyone, like everyone has to go do them. Um, that's why I give these other things that could be helpful. Um, journaling is huge. I harp on journaling a lot, but the thing about journaling is you write down how you were feeling that day and what kind of went on in the day. And then once you have, let's say a month's worth of journal entries, you can look back at them and you can go, oh, wow, I see this pattern that's developed over every single one of these days. And maybe you couldn't see that pattern on any single day, but you can see the pattern over the course of a month and it makes it very clear why you're doing some of the things you are doing. So that's about it. That was it for the questions. I'll be doing a, an episode like this once a week or once every other week. So if you have any more questions, you can just DM them to me. Instagram especially is a good spot to find me at Alexander Diesel. Uh, so you can go find me there and just DM me any questions you have. Or if you have a specific topic you'd like me to do one of these sort of feedback uh, feedback episodes on, I will gladly pick a topic and riff on it for a while. Uh, I really enjoy doing these. I like just answering some people's questions. I think it's a, a good way to interact. So thank you for the questions, uh, those of you that asked them. And that is it for this episode. Again, I really appreciate it. If you, share, if you got value out of this, share it out with people you love. Um, especially if you know they could use this advice. Tag your friends in the comments. Uh, you know, five-star rating and a review is super, super helpful, especially as I'm getting going on uh, iTunes here. So appreciate you taking the time to listen, and that's it.